Welcome to another 10-minute Cood Street podcast. This is Gary Wolf, and today I'm spending a few minutes with Eileen Gunn, the distinguished short story writer, editor, workshopper, mentor, and somebody who produces a brilliant new collection of short stories every 10 years like clockwork. Uh, is that about fair? Which means, Eileen, you're about four years away from being due for another collection. Now you know that my alarm went off when you said that. I thought, oh my God, I've got only four years. Yeah, well... That'll give you some time. Anyway, how how are you um, how are you doing in the Seattle area during this, which started out as the as the hot spot of the country? Yeah, well, Seattle mobilized, so we're doing pretty well. I mean, everybody's still isolating completely and communicating mostly by Zoom, but I'm communicating by Zoom like five or six hours a day. So I'm actually seeing more people and getting more work done than I ever did before the the virus hit. It's one of the things that makes me wonder. I, some people think Zoom is a complete nightmare and they make jokes about Hollywood Squares and the Brady Bunch and so forth. I think some people are going to learn to like Zoom and want to continue doing it after. Oh, definitely. I, de- I definitely would. I'm, you know, mostly I'm, I'm a writer. I sit at home by myself and, and write. So I, this is a huge boost to my social life and, and I'm enjoying it. It's great. Um, but that mean, that doesn't mean you don't have to go to conferences once they open up again. It's the, the, the thing about Zoom is you can't really buy somebody a drink over Zoom. It's well, we've been we've been doing a lot of Zoom teenies and okay Zoom chalet. Great. Well, are you able to get any reading done during this? It's one of the things that uh, we've been asking all these podcasts. Uh, some people are just so scattered, they're reading bits and pieces here and there, and some people are ambitiously trying to read things that they always think they should have read. Which side do you fall on? <laughs> I, I I knew somebody once who, who decided when she was terminally ill, and she decided she would read everything she she hadn't read before. So she is reading, like, 15th century plays. She just... <laughs> She just really knocked the ball out of the park. She read all the stuff she wanted to read before she died. And that, right now, I'm not feeling the the impetus to get that all done. So I've only been reading things I want to read. And I've been reading, uh, right now I've got like a, I tend to read a bunch of things at a time. So wow. I've got a small stack of things on my desk. But um, it includes A Brightness Long Ago by Guy Gabriel Kay, which I just started. I'm about 50 pages into it, and I had heard him read this at World Fantasy Con, I think, a couple of years ago, read yeah. the beginning from it, and it was brilliant, and it is, it continues to be brilliant, it's really a wonderful book, and so I'm reading that, and then I'm also reading um, The Tales of Uncle Remus by Richard, um, <laughs> Julius Lester, I keep trying to call him Richard Lester, he's not Richard Lester at all. But I'd, I'd run across them in a used bookstore, and I thought, oh, I'll get these. And, and I've always been a huge fan of Richard Lester. I just Julius Lester. Richard um, Lester is the movie I mean, director. Both of them. I've been a huge fan of both of them. And and so I keep calling him Richard, but he's Julius. And his it, he used to write for Sing Out magazine when I was like 14 or 15, and I started reading his work there. And he's just an entrancing writer. Um, and so I, I found like four volumes, The Tales of Uncle Remus, which I knew existed and I'd read a few of them. I mean, the, the books. Um, I remember I remember reading the reviews when that book came out because Lester is a kind of folklorist and a scholar of this field. 
And as I recall, one of the things he was saying, I mean, obviously the the original Joel Chandler Harris stories are, are, are cringeworthy these days in terms of stereotypes. But I recall Lester saying in an interview somewhere that a lot of this almost impenetrable dialect that Harris recorded was actually pretty accurate and probably yeah. was the way people actually spoke. Yeah, and it, and he's, he's transmuted them. I mean, for one thing, writing in dialect was something that was really big oh, around the turn of the 20th century. Right. And, and that was about when Joel Chandler Harris was writing. So his books are impenetrable in several different ways, you know, sociologically, you yeah. know, um, racially, and, and just because the spelling is annoying. Um, right. and, and Lester has rewritten them um, into his own voice, which is just one of the most charming voices in the world. He's just such a wonderful conversational writer and can explain anything, talk about anything in this charming, humorous uh, sort of sort of slightly making fun of himself as he talks. He's not Mm -hmm. making his humor is is sometimes interdirected and it's gentle and it's kind. Um, And his his. um, Bear Rabbit is hilarious, a smart little rabbit. With with a lot of funny things to say, and it's, it's just they're delightful books. And I was going to give them. I thought I bought them and thought, well, and they, their covers and the illustrations are by um, by Jerry Pinkney, who has also been one of my favorite illustrators. My dad used to um, was a graphic designer, and so mm-hmm. I learned about Jerry Pinkney working for my dad also when I was a teenager. He was a he was a Boston based illustrator, and so that he he just has the totally the most wonderful illustrations and I thought I saw all the books together and I thought oh I'll buy these and give them to my nephews and really? I'm not letting them out of the house <laughs> anything, anything else you've been reading that's uh, because that's an unusual one I had not thought about those Julius Lester books in years I used to have one of them but I don't know where it is I and, have, but anyway anything else what else have I been well Guy's book which is really terrific um, and it feels is. like Renaissance Italy. Um, I wish, I guess I wish, um, I wish I had faith that it was a little, it wasn't exactly Renaissance Italy, but I'll have to ask Guy about that because I, I want to believe all this stuff. I want to believe these characters and I want to believe the setting and everything. And I don't know enough about Renaissance Italy to distinguish the fiction from the fact. Uh, he's, yeah, he's pretty, uh, pretty conscientious about making sure that his and it fits in with his earlier histories i think it's like a, a century or two after uh the earlier series but there's a chapter and i don't know if you've got there yet i love that book too there's a chapter where he just breaks the fourth wall and talks about um how stories are like flames and, if, and occasionally a cinder will go off and set off another fire somewhere and that will set up and it's just wonderfully talking about the story itself that he's telling us within the story and that's maybe a half or to a third of the way through. So I don't know if you've got that far yet. I haven't. No, no, I'm still, I'm still, well, I'm about a quarter of the way through this point. What, what would you have for uh, comfort reading? A lot of people are saying they just go back to murder mysteries uh, or stuff, stuff that they loved in childhood. But do you have like stress reading that in times of difficulty, you think I want to go back to that? You know, I, I don't know that I do. I used to when I was a kid. I would go back to 
um, just YA books that I loved. And yeah. I, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been doing anything like that. I've been reading a lot of um, a lot of myths and legends and stuff like that for the the uh, series I'm writing on the on on the history of fantasy. So I've mm-hmm. been spending a lot of time on the internet reading usually summaries of of epics and mm-hmm. the, this month is epics. I'm I'm rereading reading. Um, a lot about global epics all, all over the world. And this is just so much material. So right today I'm, I'm reading uh, the, the Mahabharata, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, the Indian epic. Yeah, Mahabharata, uh, I think. And, it, and it's fascinating. I, I, I was definitely helped in the fact that last year or so I saw online, I saw, I saw the movie that, oh, no, who, who made it? It's an American British director uh, about 10 years ago and it was it was great because it it translated all these people that were sort of conceptual Indian deities to me that that I didn't know who they were and had no physical association for them and brought them into flesh and now I when I go and read the I mean it's a it's a huge long poem I'd never I'd, I'd kind of dipped into it once before but never really read it all the way through or anything and now that I, I can visualize the people and see the emotional human content of the work in a way that I wasn't able to do before well, you mentioned the history of fantasy that you're writing now and that kind of brings us to the third thing we talk about what what what, what have we got to expect from you in the near future well there's that and then I'm working on a ghost story that I've been working on for maybe 10 years um, I keep putting it down and going back to it. And that's what I've been working on on the fiction side for the last three weeks or four weeks or so. And that it's the reason it's such a difficult thing to write is that I've been putting a lot of my own self into it. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's, an, it's narrated by the ghost who is murdered. Um, and the ghost has made a lot of bad decisions in her life. Fortunately, a lot of them are decisions I never made the wrong take. <laughs> but she's made like all the decisions I make. She makes them bad every single time, kind of like Donald Trump. Every single time she picks the worst alternative. Mm-hmm. And so that that's kind of personal. And I've been trying to figure out uh, how to how to make her less obnoxious. She's 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 made a lot of really stupid choices and she's kind of selfish. And how do you. As a ghost, how do you resolve that? Can, can ghosts learn anything? That's you know? a good question. Well, I mean, one of the questions that that raises is, does she does she know these are bad decisions, or does she still, as a ghost, think they were all the best decisions? Oh, no, she knows that she's – I'm not sure she's got this complete perspective on herself as a selfish person. Uh-huh. But she, she knows that, you know, that didn't work out, uh, this didn't work out. Why is she? She she's. This sounds a little bit like a Gene Wolfe story. I mean, as, as you were describing it, I was even thinking of Peace, where you've got a genial narrator who turns out to be anything but that once you realize how much he isn't telling us about himself. Uh, I think she's pretty being pretty straightforward about herself. Okay. Uh, but she's she's and I, and I said it partly in Dorchester, where I was born in Dorchester in mm-hmm. Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts, but I'm not from Dorchester. My parents didn't live in Dorchester or anything, and I've never lived in Dorchester. So I had to find out. I, you know, I've lived in Boston. I lived in Cambridge, um, and Dorchester was an entity mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the city. But I'm not. I I only know the names of places. I haven't lived in any of them. So I've been kind of researching Dorchester. The book said the story said in the about 2000 and. 2008, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but the character is in her 40s or so. And 40, she's about 45 when she's killed. And she has reasons for for being a ghost. That is, there's, she's all by herself. As far as she knows, there aren't any other ghosts. And she's not quite sure what she's doing there. Oh, that's great. That's a great idea. I don't know. <laughs> but you've mentioned, the other thing you mentioned was the history of fantasy. And since you mentioned it, you have to let us know what is that's not a book that's an, uh, a series of articles or it's a series of articles and um i wrote it originally um on request from a publication that hasn't come out and i don't know if it will ever come out i need to kind of get back in touch with the editor uh-huh but, um it's i'm having so much fun with it and and it's a little liberating to think that i don't have to follow the word count that i had agreed to that i can write longer yeah i'm, I'm on the third section of six sections and the first section is about the basically the human imagination as manifested um first in in gilgamesh and i was going to start with gilgamesh mm-hmm. explaining the fantastic imagination in in humans and then i realized that gilgamesh is not the the first of anything it's it's only the first recorded tale oh, yeah and and it's it's definitely it's a fantasy novel. It's it's completely congruent with anything that could be published today. And I think Bob Silverberg actually rewrote the the epic of Gilgamesh. He Gilgamesh. did. He did a version of it. The, the, the difference is you have to assume that the audience for the original Gilgamesh or for the oral tradition before that didn't think of it as fantasy at all. I don't I don't know. It, it's it's positioned as a history, you know. And Gilgamesh was apparently a historical figure. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I don't think people necessarily. I don't think belief was an option. Things yeah. were. Yeah, you know, I guess. I think, but I think I think that you can't make up something without knowing that you made it up. Will the other people after you that you're telling the story to? They may not know you made it up. Well, that's kind of what I mean. It's a, there's a point at which um, somewhere in human history. We, okay, we're going to get started. We need to stop. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this. You and I will talk about this afterwards. But okay. uh, uh, but I, I, I want to uh, thank you again for for being with us. This has again been a delightful few minutes uh, of the Cood Street Podcast with Eileen Gunn. Thank you very much for joining us, Eileen. Thank you, Gary. It's been really fun.